This episode of For the Love with Jen Hatmaker is brought to you by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors. They can be big, difficult, even scary life things, and also small inconveniences that add up day after day. The thing is, when we keep them all bottled up on the inside and just try to grin and bear it, it can start to affect us and the people around us negatively. We may even isolate ourselves, which makes it even worse. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. This was the case for me when I was at the highest stress level in my life, where the stress was even having physical consequences for me. Therapy was a huge part of my healing journey to learn how to manage the stress. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online and it's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapist anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash for the love today and get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash for the love. You guys, how important is sleep temperature? It's everything to me. And this is where Chili Pad by Sleep Me comes in. Its mission is to elevate the quality of human life through cool sleep. The Chili Pad bed cooling system is your new bedtime solution. It lets you customize your sleeping environment to your optimal temperature, ensuring you fall asleep, stay asleep, and wake up refreshed. Chili Pad works with your existing mattress. It's a water-based mattress topper that continuously controls your bed temperature from 55 to 115 degrees. It's designed for one or two sleepers. So if your partner likes to sleep at a different temperature or you only need it for one side of the bed, it still works. I just put this on top of my existing mattress and voila. So whether you're dealing with night sweats or simply seeking a better night's rest, Chili Pad is here to transform your existing mattress into a sanctuary of cool, relief, and comfort. Visit www.sleep.me slash FTL to get your Chili Pad and save up to $315 with code FTL. This offer is exclusively available for the love listeners, only for a limited time. So order it today with free shipping and try it out for 30 days. You can return it for free if you don't like it with your sleep trial. So visit www.sleep, that's S-L-E-E-P, dot M-E slash F-T-L, because every woman deserves to wake up feeling refreshed and ready to conquer the day ahead. I am very obsessed with food and while I'm eating lunch, I'm thinking about dinner and it better be good. I just, I love food. Welcome to the For the Love podcast with me, Jim Hatmaker. You guys, today we're talking about the healing power of food with recipe developer and New York Times bestselling cookbook author, Alex Snodgrass. Hey, everybody. It is Jen Hatmaker, your happy host of the For the Love podcast. Before we dive into today's episode, I want to tell you about something I've been working on. And listen, I am just thrilled to share it with you. So every single day of our lives, we are hit over and over with the message that we need more. More money, more friends, a bigger house, a fancier job title, more of everything. Because if we have more in our lives, then we will matter more or something. But when you think about it, the idea that you have to be more at all, it's just kind of this crippling idea in the first place. And it doesn't make you feel better. It doesn't make me feel better. 
It makes my heart start beating faster. It makes my eyes roll back in my head and my shoulders come up to my ears. More is tiring. More is tiring and I'm tired. So I wonder what it would feel like to live with less, less stuff, less spending, less stress. I wonder how you'd feel if you made more room for the best things that life has to offer, the stuff that we really care about, joy, generosity, connection, freedom. So 10 years ago, my family started an experiment that we called Seven, where we dialed it back on seven areas of our lives, like food and clothes and spending and media, stuff and waste and stress. And let me tell you, it was life-changing and it still is. Seven shifted the way that we operated in the past decade. And it's done the same for tens of thousands of readers who did this experiment right along with us. And now here's the exciting part. I'm bringing you a new, updated, revised edition of Seven. And it's now called Simple and Free. Ah, Simple and Free. Doesn't that sound nice? Isn't that what we're craving right now? I want to invite you into this story that honestly changed me forever. I've added a bunch of new thoughts and new research throughout the book about how remarkably changed we have been since this originally took place 10 years ago. And please believe me, this is not a template. It's not a rule book. It's not another something that's going to make you feel guilty. That I promise you. It's freedom. I am inviting you to explore what your life might look like when you start to shift your thinking from more, more, more to less. Because once you let go of all that stuff that we were never meant to carry around, we discover we have room for peace and freedom. I just can't wait for you to read Simple and Free. I'm so happy to share that you can get it right now, wherever you buy books. So head on over to jenhatmaker.com slash simpleandfree and grab your copy today. Can't wait to talk to you about it. All right, let's get into today's episode. Welcome to the show. Welcome to this great and fun series. We are in the middle of a series called For the Love of Food. And I am hard pressed to remember a series where I have enjoyed so much talking to my guests. Our conversations are just lively and back and forth and full of enthusiasm and laughter. And today is absolutely no exception. This is my first time to meet my guest today, and I'm so glad that I did because she was delightful. So for those of you listening, I don't know what your relationship is with food, with cooking specifically. It could be that you love it. It could be that it's, that's like a really meaningful part of your day or your life or your rhythms. It could be that you hate it, that you're intimidated by it, that you don't get it, that you're sick of it. It could be that you once loved it, but it has like kind of lost its magic. Let's be honest, after essentially a year, of the pandemic, there isn't a person among us who now has not spent so much time in the kitchen that even the biggest food lovers among us could be like, whatever, like just whatever, whatever about it. And our eaters are sick of whatever we made. So they're making us mad all the time. So sometimes we can, no matter how we feel, get stuck in the food doldrums. And so today's guest is going to just put a little pep in your step. I mean, what, however you enter this conversation, whatever your relationship with food and cooking is, this is a guest who can really like help you fall in love with it again and remember why you should in the first place or why you ever did and remember the power of the table and remember what a joy it can actually still be to cook incredible, nourishing food for the people that we love. So today on the show, we have such a cute guest, you guys. 
Alex Snodgrass is here. Kind of, you already know who she is. She's got a huge following on Instagram. She is the founder of the Defined Dish. That is her space. She shares healthy recipes, but they are absolutely delicious. We locked into this concept during our conversation today. Like, if food is not good, we're not eating it. If food is not delicious, I'll just be hungry. She's not messing around here. She loves spice. She loves salt. We have very similar flavor profile. And so she is a healthy cook, but a delicious one. And so she has a beautiful cookbook called The Defined Dish that became an instant New York Times bestseller because, well, you'll see, you'll love her. You will love how she is. You'll love her food point of view. She's very no nonsense. It all feels very doable, very possible, very normal. She puts just recipes and tools in our hands that make you go, Oh, I can do this. Like I can actually do this. And I enjoyed talking to her so much that at the end of this conversation, we stayed on just the zoom and talked for another 20 minutes. I love her personality. I love her food profile. I love her point of view. I love her style. She can go to culinary school. She's a normal home cook like you and me, which makes me trust her and want to listen to her and learn from her. You're going to love her. And I can't wait for you to start following her because her stuff is absolutely incredible. And so with that, I am delighted to share this great, fun, and funny conversation with Alex Snodgrass. I am so happy to meet you, Alex. Thank you for coming on the show today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm happy to be here. You're just so great at what you do. You are just absolutely shining in your element. I just cannot wait to mine your brain today. Well, let's see if it can be mined. (laughs) Yeah, I know. You're actually right. At this point, at this point in pandemic, is there anything left to mine? I mean, there really isn't. I don't think there is. I think we're all brain dead at this point. I have filled my listeners in already a little bit about you and who you are, but I would like first, before we dig into the stuff, to hear a little bit more about how 2021 has kicked off for you. How are you doing? Who's near you? What has your family been up to? How are you kind of managing you, your work and your people? This year. You know, I feel like managing is a tough word because I feel like I'm doing a terrible job at managing right now. I do too. And it's so funny because I think we all had big hopes for 2021. We're like 2020 is behind us. We're up. And I just feel like it's off to a bumpy start, but I'm definitely trying to remain positive. We kicked it off with we got COVID. I actually did it. My husband did it, but both of my daughters did because we were exposed to someone close to us and, and they got it. And it was, it was fine. We were just kind of quarantined for a while because the first child tested positive and we waited. And then the second one. So it was just like this yep. train of events. Like a and rolling then, quarantine. Yes. I can't believe you didn't get it. I, am I shocked. can't believe either. I'm honestly very confused as to how neither of us got it because you can't really quarantine from your five-year-old child. No, you can't. Um, no, you can't. So, so she was like in bed with us one night and she wasn't like sick or anything, but she just wasn't herself. You know how kids are when they're sick. And so she wanted to sleep with us. I couldn't decline that. And so I was like, well, here we go. We're just going to, we're just going to get it. It's been chasing us for a year where we finally caught up to us, but we somehow didn't get it. Guess our immune systems did its job that time. So we'll just see. But 
Second to that, I've also been finishing up a big project that I can't quite announce yet, but you can probably guess what that is. Oh, that's so exciting. It, it is interesting to see what we are capable of pivoting toward even now that we find a way workarounds to the way we might normally pull off a project to how we do it now, but it's all still possible. I can't wait till you can share that. That's exciting. When we're done recording, I'll make you tell me about it. (laughs) Yeah. So I just think, you know, this year's already tested my patience and my limits, but at the same time, I just feel like we've all been going through that over the last year and it's just picking up the pieces and figuring it out and working through the puzzle. And I feel like this year is going to continue to teach me those, those puzzling ways. <laughs> Absolute same. So frankly, I have a ton of food people in my life and we have a lot of really great food people in this series. And one thing that I've noticed is not everybody comes to food the same way. Some food folks were raised at their grandma's elbow cooking her recipes and some were absolutely like, like I was just talking to Nadia and she did not even know that the oven was usable until she went to a home at class in high school. So we, we come from different ways. What's your front door here? How did your food passion develop? Was it hours in the kitchen with your mom or your aunts or your grandmas or your people? Was it a generational love of food that was like lovingly passed to you? Yeah, I'd say it's a little bit of both. I think the way that I was raised, I was raised in a small town. We just didn't have a lot of restaurants around us. And so home-cooked meals. What town, by the way? I'm from Salina, Texas, which is north of Dallas. So growing up there, going out to eat was a 30 to 45 minute just to get to the restaurant affair. So it was just more of a special occasion thing or something that we did, you know, not regularly. It was more of an occasion. Frisco at the time was so small. So it wasn't like until I got to high school that we were just like going to Frisco to eat lunch and dinner. So growing up with home cooked food was just my normal. And I always loved food. I always took a big interest in the kitchen around my mom and my grandmother, like you said. And so I definitely kind of learned the basics from them, but I would say it wasn't until my twenties when I got to college and eating out became my normal that I was like, I don't enjoy eating out all the time. In a nutshell, I just like got to my, in my twenties when eating out became the norm. I started to really long for just being at home. I'm a homebody, you know, just from my personality, but also the way that I was raised. And so for me, I longed for that staying home, relaxing, cooking. And so I started to call my mom and say, okay, how do you make this recipe? All the all my favorites of hers. And I started to make them for my roommates. And I was definitely like the best roommate ever, <laughs> if I do say so myself. And I always cooked for my friends. And it just kind of from there, the love of cooking for others, I realized was my love language. And it just, you know, after college, when my now husband and I were dating, I would always cook for us and our friends. And it just became one of those things that became part of me and just like associated with me. Yeah. As somebody who also gathers a community online, I'm always pretty fascinated to watch other women gather theirs around them as they begin to share what it is that, that they love, that they're good at, that they care about. And then even their personal lives, their families, their stories. And so I would love to hear you talk about the really early days of being a person 
who began to gather a community on the internet around food. What did that look like? What made you decide, I'm going to, this is where I'm going to go. I'm going to try this. What was it like for you? And then how has it like grown and flourished since? For sure. So whenever I started the Defined Dish, I don't think I ever in my wildest dreams would have thought that it would be what it is today. You know, at the time, Instagram stories didn't exist. It wasn't, I didn't think that I would be kind of the face of a brand. I kind of just thought my food would be the face of my brand. And my sister and I actually originally kicked off the Defined Dish together in, I think, 2014. So we launched it as a food and fitness blog, sister duo, and we definitely weren't like doing it consistently and weren't really trying to make it a business quite yet. And after about a year and a half, I realized the passion that I had for it and how much I loved sharing food with others like on a platform, not just around my dinner table. And so when she kind of grew sick of it and it was that turning point of, am I going to try to make this a business or not? I just couldn't say goodbye to it. So it was like, okay, I'm going to try. And if it doesn't work out, that's okay. I'll just, you know, pick up the pieces and it, it, it's at least worth a shot for me because I love it so much. And it was around that same time that Instagram stories came about. I wasn't the type of person to really put myself on my Instagram feed. And so it was the first time that I really think the community that was built started to see me and get to know me and my family. And that's really whenever it began to flourish. And I realized it's so much more than just the recipes that you share with your community. It's the way that you share it and letting them in and giving them a taste of your life and how you put those meals together and how you present them to the people that you love that brings everyone together. So I think that that's the foundation of the Defined Dish. I think Instagram stories was the best thing for a person like me that was a little bit intimidated to express myself in feed. I owe a lot of it to Instagram stories, to be honest. That's fantastic. (laughs) Well, first of all, I love the connection too. It's not just that the community loves the connection with me. I also, it's vice versa. I really enjoy connecting with the community. I get to see other people cook the food. I get to communicate with them. I get to hear their stories of about them and the kitchen and their families and who they dropped off dinner to. So it just makes it so much more intentional and has so much more purpose behind it. So I, I love it. Well, your food photography is beautiful. It well, really you. is. I you <laughs> are really good at that, which is saying something because you can absolutely be a great cook and not be a good food photographer. Those are two separate streams. I used to be that person and I realized mm. nobody cooked my recipes because it looked like dog food. <laughs> Interesting. Did you self-teach? Did, or are yes. you self-taught there? For mm-hmm. sure. Because you know, when I started to try to make my blog a business, spending money on a photographer that's expensive and all that didn't make sense. I wasn't making any money to put it into there. And I just wanted to produce it myself so that I could make an income (laughs) or try to. And so I knew the only way of doing that was me figuring it out. And quite frankly, I've really enjoyed learning to take photos with my camera. And every year I get better at food photography and learn something new but you know, the internet is a wonderful resource and you can really learn anything from it. Good for you. It's so true. I always say the internet is free school. I mean, it really is. If you have YouTube, you can get on there and you can learn how to be a heart surgeon. I mean, it is, everything is on there. So good for you for tackling a completely different skill set. It's just interesting because cooking is creative. And so it taps into a lot of creative energy, actually, if you want to. 
if you want to, there's so much creativity. You can start wrapping and packaging around food preparation and food photography and serving and just all of it. You've done a really wonderful job. I kind of want to talk about your food point of view. A lot of your recipes are inspired by kind of whole 30 paleo lifestyle, which for people kind of in the, in the rhythm of those spaces, got it. Some people are intimidated by what feels or sounds like a diet or a lot of deprivation or restrictions. And it kind of comes with this outdated idea that that food just is not going to taste good, (laughs) that it's utilitarian food. We already had to cut everything good out of it that we actually love. So we're just left with the like boring bits, but you've really flipped that idea on its head. Can you talk a little bit about that type of eating, why that is important to you, why you're drawn to it, why that's a, why that's your point of view. And then specifically how you've approached recipe development, because you make beautiful and delicious food. Yeah. (laughs) Well, to me, first of all, I love food. It has to taste good or else it's not a meal. I'm going to find a different meal. (laughs) Yep. That's it. I am very obsessed with food and I, while I'm eating lunch, I'm thinking about dinner and it better be good. I just, I love food. And I know a lot of people are like, Oh, it doesn't have to blow your mind. Every time you eat, I just I'm one of those people where it needs to kind of hit the string every time I eat because I love it so much. And then on top of it, I just, I feel like my approach with the paleo whole 30 thing is I did whole 30 for the first time because I needed it at the time. I was really struggling with anxiety. My sister had done it. She's really into health and wellness and she had done one and she recommended I try it because I um, was really struggling with anxiety and she thought it would help with mental clarity. And when I did it for the first time, it was such a positive ripple effect on me because not only did I eat clean and kind of clean, take out a lot of sugar, a lot of alcohol and some things in my diet. I also found that I just started taking care of myself as like a ripple effect. And I realized, Oh, I literally was taking, I'm just one of those people that loves to take care of others around me. And it's one of the things that I love most about myself, but it also can hurt me as like my own and my own self because I'll put myself on the back burner. So as a new mom at the time, I just wasn't taking care of myself. So that 30 days really made me realize the importance of that. And those 30 days made me realize I can make anything taste good. Yep. Totally. <laughs> and I'm from Texas and from the South and I expect to be very satisfied when I finish eating. And if I'm not satisfied, then I'm going to find something else to eat. Like I need to feel full. And I like that heaviness, which is why I love stews and kind of Southern food. And so it was like, man, I'm craving gumbo. How can I accomplish that same sensation of eating gumbo, but by making it with Whole30 compliant ingredients? And once I kind of figured out how to cook with things like arrowroot starch and cassava flour and those grain-free things, I I could figure out how to make pretty much anything more or less. There's some things that can't be touched. And those things I will always eat it the regular way, like pasta. I'm sorry, zucchini noodles will never do it for me. Not the same. It's not the <laughs> never same. Never gonna be the same. Never, ever, ever. And it's, you know, for the most part, I like to kind of focus on a paleo whole 30-ish way of eating. And then I definitely dabble and have a couple cocktails a week and wine. And I definitely have pasta still. My mom's Italian. So we still, I just kind of, in chips and sauce, of course, we go get Tex-Mex once a week. So there's, 
I just have my own flow that works. And I feel like the Whole30 definitely set a good foundation for me to have my own food freedom. And that's really the basis of my foundation and making sure I feel full always. And just setting a good example. You know, I have two young girls for my kids around food. My mom, I give her all the credit in the world. She always was really good around food. And if she did want to lose some weight, it was never any crazy crash diet. She just was like, oh, I'm just, you know, being healthy right now or and focusing on some cleaner foods and just never was super rash about anything. And I love that she taught us that about ourselves and to not, you know, be crash dieters. And yeah, so absolutely. I definitely want to teach my kids the importance of healthy eating while also not making them feel like they ever need to completely restrict themselves. So absolutely. I did whole 30 two or three years ago for a lot of the same reasons. I don't have a physical aversion to gluten or it's not that it was for other kind of ancillary reasons that I thought, let's just, let's run a clean ship here for 30 days. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And I went into it with like no small degree of melodrama. That's just how I do. Cause I like food (laughs) to taste good. That is just my bottom line. It just needs to, I like, I'm a flavor junkie. And so I thought, well, this is just, I don't know, but it really is true that even inside that construct, it can be, I had absolutely delicious food for a month. Cause I was commit, I was determined to, I know I could have just run a chicken breast and broccoli operation. For sure. You can do that. In, yeah. You can do that. Means. But you I was do, like, what, no. <laughs> what if I just dug deep and found it and scoured and yeah. you sacrifice nothing really. Mm-hmm. And truly just absolutely nothing. Especially you when you have potatoes. If you couldn't have potatoes, I'd be out. (laughs) Oh man, the potatoes really came in clutch. Yes, they did. Us us Southerners need our potatoes and that was essential. (laughs) You are not wrong about that. So when I think about, you know, that that was sort of an entry point for you was what about inside a, a loose structure? Like let's call it a loose structure. General, but with some flex. I'm curious now through that lens, as you are a creative, you are literally creating, you are creating recipes, you're creating cookbooks, you're creating content, you're creating videos. What inspires you at this point as a recipe developer? Where do you continue to find new, fresh ideas? Where do you look? Where do you see? Where do you take your stuff from? You know, I think it's from everything, whether it's through Instagram or Pinterest or usually travel. That has not been so much the case this year. And restaurants, I get I get so much inspiration from different flavors. But you know, right now I think the thing that has inspired me most is just the last year has been so hard on everybody. And we're all kind of turning to our pantries for the first time and breaking away from that grain-free moment, which for a while, I mean, I just was very fixated on the grain-free thing for a while. And then COVID hit and it was like you know what? There is a beautiful thing in a can of white beans. You can turn it into so many great things and pasta can just go so long, such a long way in rice. And I have found a new love for pantry shopping. Nice. And so I've been really inspired by using those ingredients and still making healthful dishes without worrying so much about those labels on there, but also being cognizant about, you know, what I'm putting in my body for the most part. So I've been having a lot of fun cooking from the pantry again. I've been really inspired by that. I find the kitchen to be the thing that brings me the most joy. It brings my family together. It's how I connect with my husband. It's how I show motherly love to my kids. And 
we've all just gone so far from that. The kitchen is now like, we don't have time for it. What can we get on the table? It's stressful. And I just want people to feel that comfort in the kitchen again. I just think that's, if we could go back a little bit back in time in one aspect of our lives, it's the kitchen because that time that we have gathered around the table at the end of the day is to me the most important. It's what helps us all decompress. It's what brings us all to connect in a world that we're connected with everybody else other than the people that are right here in our own homes. And so I really want to, moving forward, try to intentionally share recipes in a way that will get people excited to cook and not feel intimidated by it and want to share it with others. So I don't really know. I haven't, I don't know the equation to make that happen, but I'm going to do my dang best. <laughs> I, I just couldn't possibly agree more that the table is kind of an unparalleled connecting point. There's just, I can't find it substitute. Just last night, one of my kids, my daughter, Sydney, she's 20. She's a student at UT. So she's here in town, but she lives on campus. And her two best friends who I've known since they were we, all of them, they're in their little pod together and they came over for dinner, the three of them. And so when I finally got the green light, listen, you, your girls are little, but wait till they're 20. And when they're like, okay, yes, I'll come home for dinner. You're like, stop everything. What, what do I have in my pantry? What can I pick up real quick curbside? Like all of a sudden it's a bit. And so I think it's a huge meal and it's beautiful. Everything's just beautiful. It's gorgeously presented. And they're just like, what in the world? I'm like, this is how, you know, I love you. And I mean that like when me spending an hour in the kitchen, making beautiful, delicious food for you, I want you to sit on the table and go, that lady loves me. That lady loves me. And then we, of course, we sat at the table with our African peanut soup and our wedge salads for three hours because that's what happens. That is what happens. The food brings us together, but the table keeps us together. And it's magic. It's absolute magic. I, I would like to hear you talk more about how you approach this. Like, we'll kind of get out of the realm of your career work in food and more like just Alex as a mom and a wife. How is it? Cause your girl, how old are your kids? Five? They're eight and five. Yeah. Eight and five. Cause they're little, little-ish, yeah. youngish. They're little-ish. Yes. They're how growing. do you, how do you approach kitchen food, cooking recipes, eating as a mom? Are the girls in the kitchen with you? Are they adventurous eaters? I, I am assuming you've introduced them early enough to a lot of interesting flavors that they're probably really good eaters. Yeah, they're pretty good. I wouldn't say that they're like all stars, you know, chomping on kale or anything like some people do, but they're pretty adventurous and they'll, they kind of know they need to try everything at the table always. But I love spice and they're still not spicy people. And ah, like, keep trying. going to be, I will yeah, not yeah. give up on that. There's yes. no way. And, you know, I've definitely found myself a little bit more exhausted in the kitchen lately. And so I'm trying to just focus on what I'm cooking for my family, not over overdoing it a little bit, you know, saving that for the weekends because it's hard for me not to. I just tend to overdo it in the kitchen all the time. I can't help myself. And so I'm really trying to rein that in and create a better balance there. And now that I'm done with this project behind me, I can already feel a sense of relief and bring my, my family back into the kitchen a little bit more with me. But I think having the kids come help as much as they're willing to in the kitchen is always fun. Even if it's five minutes, like they don't have an attention span that's like super long in there unless it involves dessert and licking the bowl every five seconds. So with savory cooking specifically, 
getting them in there for as much as possible with making lunches in the morning, asking them to go grab one thing that they want from the pantry to put in their lunchbox, just getting them involved as much as I can. And with dishes, (laughs) they do not know how to load a dishwasher, but getting a sponge out and like scrubbing their plate is fun. So they'll do that. And then they'll just like toss it on the top rack. I'm like, Plates go on the bottom rack, but you know what? It's something. So I, I just try to get them in there as much as possible because when I think back to my childhood, it's like the most fond memories I had and like the most of my memories involved being in the kitchen with my family. And so, you know, right now they might not care much about an eggplant lasagna that I make them, but I know when they're in their 20s, they're going to be like, oh, mom made the best eggplant lasagna. How did she make that? Let me go in her book and make it. And they're going to it might take them way longer to appreciate and love these memories that we're making in the kitchen, but I know it'll happen because that's, that's what happened to all of us. Absolutely. I like that you said it can be even short term. I am on record as saying I am not a great kitchen teaching mom. This is a multiple tiered problem, but I love cooking so much that it's my, this is like a treat for me. To me, cooking is a prize for having worked hard all day and I love it. And so the kids are always just bothering that and I'm less patient. And I've noticed that I am particular about how things are and how things go. And so I always appreciate when some other mom gives me a a lesser version of what's possible, like just let them come in and just chop the green onions. Then you get out. Or the whole thing. (laughs) You don't have to be in here soup to nuts. Okay, let's just maybe find one task for them to do. And so I am trying to do better at that. Yeah. And it doesn't have to be an every night thing. It's like even if they come in a couple nights a week, it's like baby steps. It's a little bit goes a long way and they'll at least know the basics of cooking. Yeah. That's right. I remember I had a roommate in college that was like, How do I boil water? Oh, totally. It's pretty, it's pretty classic. You can do this. We have to go north of that. Like we but have I do to know do better than that, that right now, like Sutton can make herself a grilled cheese if she needed to. Like, well done. You know, or some scrambled eggs. Like they, they're already <laughs> yep. got the basics down, which is I'm proud of. So yes. Well, and I'll tell you what's coming next. Cause I'm just ahead of you in the mom game. Cause I've got a 22 year old who's like graduated and launched. I have a 20 year old who's out of the house. I'm at the stage where they call me. How do you make your uh-huh. combo? How yes. did you? And you're probably what, like, ah. I'm like, God, it worked. It worked. Yes, it comes full circle. All it good does. things come around. You know, it's like sometimes they take time, but it, it just works. It sure does. So I want to talk about real quick about Texas. We're obviously loud and proud Texans. You're born and raised, born and bred. You're a native Texan daughter. And so you and I have a similar flavor profile. We like it hot. We like it salty. We like, we like it, spicy. it heavy. We like it heavy. <laughs> I like it cheesy. And so yeah. when you're craving Tex-Mex, when you're craving that kind of, what's your go-to? What do you love? What do you love to make? What's your favorite thing? I mean, who, who doesn't love tacos? I love them. So you I like mean, them hard or soft, crunchy or soft. So I have crunchy baked tacos, which means it's a little bit soft on the center, but crispy on the edges. They're on the blog. Make them. Wait a minute. Dish. Wait a minute. Let me just think about this for one second. <laughs> so you basically cook the meat or whatever you want to put inside of it. Soften the tortilla. I usually use the siete foods because soften tortillas. And then I put it on a baking dish, close it, and then just kind of brush some oil on the top. And then put it in the oven. Do you like like Jack in the Box tacos? <laughs> I'm so embarrassed to say that I do. I love them. <laughs> okay. So it's almost okay. that taco shell style. So somewhere in between 
or I like to get a crispy taco and put a soft taco around it. I need like a little bit of both. I like that kind of like but the Taco like Bell wrap taco. Yeah, I do exactly. Too. Like the gordita crust, or is it the gordita crust? Uh huh. And it's so good. I need it right decker. now. <laughs> I would literally eat that right now. Yes, especially I think we if all that crunchy so taco was the Dorito taco. Yeah. Sure. And they don't, and they do not skimp on the salt, which I know you and I. <laughs> I'm so happy. I, after any given meal, I want to be so full of sodium that like I can't bend my fingers. That's, oh, I know. <laughs> to me, a real mark of a good recipe. I have to go way less on salt on my recipe because I uh, tend to oversalt things. But I hope that none of my family ever hears this interview because they'll be like, her too. Okay, one last question before we wrap it up. What, or if there is, is there something here in the food world in... It's a whole ecosystem of a million different possibilities that you would like to try that you're still kind of like, you've got your eye on it. It's a little bit of a dream, something that you're kind of hoping to manifest in the next season. You know, I think the thing that I have in my head right now that I want to do next, and it's not necessarily like a particular dish, but because I never went to culinary school and because I'm so in love with food and learning, and I feel like I... I'm like kind of in this dome of how I cook. I want to open up a new door. I really want to do like a summer somewhere, whether it be France or Italy, or I don't even care where it is to do a culinary program, take my family with me and learn like a whole new realm of just culinary expertise, just to open up uh, my realm a little bit more. I love that so much that I want to come with you. You can come. <laughs> can you invite me, please? I'll yes. just live next door. So it is fine. We were kind of thinking about doing it this this summer, but I felt we were going to give COVID another year to die down so we can really enjoy it and put the kids in like a, a camp and hopefully they can learn from a new culture and language wherever we go and just kind of do a whole new gig. So that's, my mind is really set on that. And my husband's excited about it too. So that's, that's what we're going to do. That's so exciting. I love that dream so much that I might just adopt it. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know what? I have a new dream too. It is just yeah. like that one. I mean, it would be so fun. It'd be so fun. You learn so much. So I'm excited about that. And there's nothing like immersion learning. I mean, that's just the thing. I am also not formally trained, of course, at all, but I did, I spent one week at a culinary instruction. I called it food camp, but it's 40 hours of just nonstop cooking at a guy culinary school. And all day, every day, it was so fun. And then all of a sudden it's five o'clock every single day. It's just, but there's nothing like being bent over the stove doing the thing. It just, that's the best way to learn it with your instructor right there. And so it, that also gave me a little fever for formal and for instruction outside of the way I normally learned, which was watching shows. Yes, for sure. Which we all do nothing wrong with that. But just learning knife skills in a, in a whole nother way and learning to fillet a fish the proper way, anything, just like all the little things that I would love to learn and new techniques for cooking, I think would be, would open up my, open up my realm a little bit more. So that's a, that's what I'm looking for. Good one. To. That's a great one. Next summer is going to be perfect. Your girls are going to be at such a great age for it. Yes. My oldest, my husband and I have been talking about it. She's like, wait, I'm going to school in another country. I'm like, just for the summer, you'll be okay. Yes. <laughs> oh, are you kind of thinking it should be Italy? You know, I w- obviously Italy is very romantic and why would you not want to go to Italy? And because my mom's Italian, I, we have like this deep embedded pride of being Italian, even though it's a very small percentage. It's 
people do. So that would be really fun. But I kind of just want to look around and see like what I think would open up my culinary world a little bit more, which I feel like France would probably do that or somewhere in Spain. But I don't know. I'm going to start exploring my options and figure out where I think I'll learn the most. And then go. I am way too invested in this. I, I can feel myself <laughs> being you overly invested. Like You can come visit and yes. do a couple of weeks with me or yes. something. Uh, that's fantastic. Okay. So wrapping it up, here are just, here are three questions I'm asking everybody in the food series. We have like amazing food folks in this series. So just kind of off the top of your head, here's the first one. If you could only eat one dish for the whole rest of your life, that's just the only one, what would you choose? Which is a terrible thing to ask. Uh, yeah, I hate that question, question so much. But I would either, uh, either or. I'm one. I'm picking two. It's fine. I'll let you have two. I would have a fillet or some ribeye steak with the side of my mom's anchovy pasta. Oh, anchovy <laughs> pasta! It's oh, like anchovy. a pasta with red sauce with anchovies, and it's just salty and delicious. <laughs> That sounds so good. I, I think you're the third person in this series to say steak. Oh yeah. I mean, there's kind of nothing that beats a beefy steak. It's just so good. It's, it's foolproof. I With mean, like tarragon butter on yeah. top. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Nadia, who I told you I was talking to this morning, she also said steak with peppercorn sauce. I'm like, I'll oh. take it any which way. Me too. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah. I'll take it with the, I'll so take steak, it anyhow. Steak and pasta. Steak and pasta. Okay. When you're too tired to cook, when you've just had it, you've just, you're D-O-N-E and not, and I don't mean takeout. So we're not going to have takeout. We're not going to have a restaurant, but you're still at home. You got to feed people, but you're sick of it. What is your, what, what's your go-to thing? I mean, this could be the lowest brow possible thing you could ever say. I would make probably my mom's anchovy pasta or, you know, whip up if, on my blog. I have one for my kids that they live. It's yummy pasta. It's a one pot meal and it's just like a couple ingredients and it's so good. Everyone's happy. So yes, pasta. Can you just very quickly rattle off what is in anchovy pasta? Lots of garlic, shallot, lots of anchovies, olive oil, a can of cherry tomatoes, which I don't know if you've ever bought that. A little sweeter, right? Mm -hmm. A little bit sweeter and more or less that's it. And I always bucatini with that. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. There's no way that's not good. There's no, yeah, way it's so awesome. great. It was like the dish that my mom always made when my dad was working late because he didn't like it, oh, got <laughs> it. but it was her go-to and like her favorite thing. And it's so good. It's just one of those things. It's just yummy. So it's my mom's anchovy pasta. That's, that's perfect. People need to get really <laughs> over their aversion to anchovies. That is a fake aversion. That's oh, it is. Us through TV shows and movies. And it is they, absurd. They are squeamy, squeamish looking, but like they always get ground up and like everything that we eat. I mean, I'll eat them by a hole on the cracker, but I'm for other people, I'm like, just put it in the dish. I promise you, you'll never know. They just kind of melt away into deliciousness. Same as fish it sauce. Is. I just, everybody it's, come on, get it together. Oh yeah. They're both Easy secret day. weapons of umami in the kitchen. Secret weapon. I, I just cannot use it or open it when a kid is in the ro- in the vicinity because they freak <laughs> bad for just a second. But, okay. Last question. Everybody gets this one, every series, every guest, and you can answer it in any which way that you want, like in a serious way or in a completely not serious way. What's saving your life right now? My family, for sure. I think with everything kind of feeling like it's flailing in the world, you know what I mean? It's the one thing that's grounding me. So I 
am so grateful for my husband and my kids every day that goes by that the world seems unstable because it's the one thing that grounds me and the one thing that I know I can always rely on with however bad it gets. So they don't care how great you're doing out on Instagram stories. They're no, just glad you're there. Yes. This is all gone. They're still here. Yeah. And like, that's, that's always what keeps me going for sure. Great answer. Perfect. Okay. Let's wrap it up. Just, can you please tell everybody just quickly where they can find you, where, where you love for them to follow you, where to find your goodies, all that. Yes. It's the defineddish.com for blog stuff on Instagram, which is where I'm most active is at the defined dish. And then my book is called the defined. Dish. Listen, when you find something that <laughs> works, you just stay with it. You and know, that can be fine. You know, most places that books are sold on Amazon. So all the things, the defined dish. Right <laughs> Listen, I, I am a big fan of clear branding. Okay. Yes. So very don't clear. Make it hard for us. Don't yes. make it hard for us. Okay. Alex, Thank so you. happy to have met you. Thanks so for being fun. on today. Thanks for having me. All right, you guys. Ah, I love that. I love her. If you go to jenhatmaker.com under the podcast tab, we'll not only have the show notes for this episode, but everything to find Alex, all of her social links, links to her book, every single thing we talked about, we will have linked up for you. It's kind of a one-stop shop. Okay. Thank you for downloading and for listening. I, you, you are going to enjoy this series so much. We have more to come. Incredible guests guests that you love, cooks that you love. It's all in here. So if you haven't already subscribed to the show, go do it. It's like one hit one button, subscribe. And also thank you for all your reviews and for rating the show. That is, we read those, we see those, those are so meaningful to us. Um, We're just delighted to bring this little show to you week in and week out. It's our joy. Thanks for being an incredible listening community. You guys see you next week. 